0: If you have your Bibles this morning, just for a few moments, I want you to turn to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. In just a moment, I want to begin reading in verse number one, this particular portion of Scripture. We understand, as students of the Word of God, you are looking in the passage or the text that you are studying in that particular paragraph or chapter for what God is emphasizing. Not every time, but many times in the Bible, from the Old to the New Testament of the Word of God. You can find what is repeated in that text. And whatever is repeated is the emphasis of God and the Spirit of God that he is showing the child of God. Three times in Isaiah 53, we'll find the word grief in the English language. This word in Isaiah 53, it is a type of sickness. It is a type of sorrow. And we will find that even the Lord Jesus Christ had grief placed upon him in the body as a man and as the Savior. As I begin to read in Isaiah 53, I, I must be reminded that when my Rachel went to heaven on November 15th of last year, I really did not understand. I really did not know what grief was. When I pastored, there are people, I, I invited some people, I told you, from, and they live in Statesville, and they were here when I pastored, and when I pastored back in West Virginia, and but but they also has COVID, so I, I think half of Statesville sick. I don't know what it is, but anyhow, they're not here, and I... I pastored, I, I've pastored. I've wept with people. I've, I've prayed with people, but I had no idea what it was to grieve until my Rachel went to heaven last November 15th, when she took her last breath around 6:30 in the morning. Immediately, something came over my body that I'd never. I thought I'd had, but I'd never experienced the subject of grief. In my mind, I, I had to study <laughs> the way I think. I, I had to begin to read, God, what is this grief, God? How do I deal with this grief? Do we understand? It really doesn't matter if you're saved or if you're lost. You will grieve as a human being. I begin to study, and the psychologist will tell you, and many of those that are educated, well-versed in this subject of grief, whatever the reason, it may not be a death that you suffered grief. It, it may be some loss of a job or some separation in your life or your family. There are many reasons that you'll grieve even as a child of God. The psychologist, there's there's many phases of grief. We can take the rest, not this moment, but this hour, this day, and talk about the many, many phases of grief. But every psychologist, even the Christian psychologist, will show you, they will tell you that there are seven major areas of grief, even in the life of the child of God. Can I say this? Just introduction, foundation. Number one, there's the area of anger in your grief. I can say this honestly. I have not been angry with God. How can you be angry at a God that gave his only begotten son to bleed and die for your sins? How can you be angry at a God that gave the very best that heaven have But I have been angry at people. I have been angry at those. Me and my wife did not have a perfect marriage. There's no such thing. But I firmly believe huh, that we had as close to a perfect marriage as anyone can have. I have been angry with people. I don't know why you have suffered grief in your life, but you will deal with the anger. There's the bargaining. Number two, there's the bargaining in this grief. This bargaining, I remember in Pittsburgh, I was lying in that dirty hospital floor. I'd pray like this, oh, God, if you'll just heal Rachel, God, I'll read my Bible more. I, I preach almost every day of my life, but God, I'll preach three times every day. God, whatever, I tried to bargain with God. But you understand this, if it is God that has placed the grief in your life, you cannot bargain the grief away. But in your grief, you will bargain with God. There's anger. There's bargaining. There's the denial of your grief. I really have. I don't have a number. I cannot tell you the times that I have denied that my Rachel is in heaven. It does not seem like a reality. Many of you have lost loved ones, and that these super hyper spiritual. People that are in our churches, unfortunately, they'll say things like this. You didn't lose her. You know where she's at. No, I really don't. I, I don't know where heaven's at. I, I know it's somewhere in the third heaven. I, I know it's somewhere. I can't see it. I, I, don't, I lost. I lost. My Rachel, there's a denial in your grief. But then number four, there must be an acceptance in your grief. The hardest day of my life was the moment I had to accept the fact that Rachel was gone. (laughs) Somebody told me, this wonderful preacher, such an encouragement. I wanted to hit him, but anyhow, he had his blue suit, white shirt. I mean, he had it all down pat. He's like, she's a lot better off. Well, that didn't help me one bit because I'm not a lot better off. He said, you, you wouldn't get her back if you could. I promise you, I would bring her back right now if I could. And then he said, but she wouldn't leave heaven. I wouldn't make her leave. I'm not one of those husbands, but that's one time. I would make her leave heaven. <laughs> day with the Lord says a 1,000 years. I told God, I said, you can wait a few more minutes. It's okay. Give me about 20 more, 30 more years. I'll be happy. <laughs> but there has to be a day of acceptance in your grief. Not only is there denial, there's acceptance, but then there's anxiety that will lead to depression. We have been taught, sadly, in the last 2,000 years of the local church, that if we suffer anxiety, we must be lesser of a Christian. We have been taught in modern day era, if we have to take some, and I haven't taken any anxiety pill, not yet, <laughs> the Years year's not over yet, I got a few more hours, but anyhow, we have been taught that if you have to take some type of medication, well, you must not be trusting God. You, you must not have faith in God. And I want to say to everyone that took an anxiety pill this morning, that's a lie from Satan, and you need to do what medically needs to be done for your body because grief will cause anxiety, which can lead to depression if it is not dealt with. And what we have done in our churches Because we believe God. What we have done in our churches, we have these little cliche statements. We'll just trust God. We're too blessed to be depressed. And that sounds wonderful, but it's not in the Bible. We have made people with anxiety feel like they're less of a Christian. They don't have enough faith. They're not trusting God. And it's all because of grief that God has placed in your life. There's the anxiety that can lead to depression. There's the guilt. There's the shock. Can I say number six? There's the shock in this grief. Rachel had been sick for many, many, many months. We was in the ho- I, I was eight months. I never dreamed I'd make this statement. I was eight months last year. I wasn't in church. I wasn't preaching. I was with my wife. I was in the hospitals. So we knew it was bad. But when the nurse came in last November 15th in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, at 6.30 in the morning, around 6.30, and said Rachel had passed, immediately shock. We had a funeral. They had six preachers, and, but I wrote the schedule. We was there for an hour. I mean, I wouldn't let it be. I wrote it. I, I demanded. It, it was my wife's funeral, we had, but we had six preachers. Wonderful singing. And I don't remember none of it. I can't really, there was hundreds of people there. They, they literally, they blocked the road because there was a bus blocking the road, couldn't get in the parking. I mean, they said it was an amazing service. I don't, I don't even really remember who was there because I was in shock. And all these things, whatever the reason for your grief, you will suffer these things. But can I say number seven? And here's, here's the message today. There's the guilt Of your grief. How many days last this year have I suffered guilt for one reason? I'm still alive. I don't know why you suffered grief, but whatever the reason for your grief, you will suffer guilt in your life. But allow me to make this statement and expound this scripture in Isaiah 53 just for a moment. If God has allowed the grief, yes, you will be angry. Yes, there will be denial. Yes, there will be anxiety. Yes, there will be the shock. But if God has allowed the grief, you do not have to suffer the guilt as a child of God. Isaiah 53 is writing to Israel. He's writing of a future time when Jesus will come and bleed and die for the sins of the world. He begins Isaiah 53 with two questions. In verse number one, who who hath believed our report? (laughs) That's an amazing question. That literally means this. Isaiah the prophet is saying in Israel, who will have enough faith? I'm thinking in my mind, it must be some great prophet. It must be some great man or some great woman that will have this faith. It's an amazing thing. If you study the Bible correctly, if the Bible asks the question, it always gives the answer. In Isaiah 53, it will remind us, Isaiah said, it is the one that will grieve, that will have enough faith. Not only who hath believed our report, but then question number two, and to whom is the arm of the Lord? revealed. That has everything to do. It's a picture statement. The arm of the Lord refers to the omnipotent power of God who is what Isaiah said that will have enough faith that the true Messiah will come the true Messiah will be in Israel who will have enough faith who is it that will have the arm of God the omnipotent power of God revealed unto them I'm thinking in my Americanized God way well it must be some great prophet it must be some strong Christian it must be somebody that's still on the mountain but Isaiah said oh no tell you who's going to have enough faith, those that are suffering. i tell you who will have the arm of God, the power of God, revealed, that's an amazing word, revealed unto them. It's those that will suffer grief in this life. Watch verse number 2, for he shall grow, speaking of Jesus to Israel, before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry, not fertile ground, not plenteous ground, but dry ground. He hath no form, I love this, nor comeliness, that literally means no stately form or splendor. Why? He hath no form or comeliness, and when we shall see him, there's no beauty, outward appearance, that we should desire of him. You know what Isaiah said? They, Israel, they were looking for some king. They were looking for some man dressed in a robe and has some great crown on it. But Israel said, you're going to reject him for one reason, his outward appearance, how he looks, that's not what you're looking for. You're looking for some, And though he is the king of kings, and though he always will be the king of kings. He didn't come as a king. He came as a baby in a manger, in a robe of humanity. No form, no comeliness. Verse number 3, he has despised and rejected. A man of sorrows, and watch this, acquainted with grief. I believe Jesus was so much God that he never sinned. He never failed. He could not sin. It is sin for the wages of sin is death. It is sin. That's the reason there's cancer. It is sin. That's the reason there's hospitals. It is sin. That's the reason there's graveyards. But Jesus never sinned. I believe he was so much God in his physical body that he never sneezed. I don't think he ever had a headache. I don't think he ever had to worry about a virus. He only had one sickness. Grief. Sorrow. He is acquainted with your grief. Many people have said, I know exactly how you feel. And to that answer I tell them, you do not know how I feel. And I don't know how you feel. But there is a God in heaven that is acquainted with your grief. Watch the Bible. Look at the exposition of the word of God. Verse number 4. Verse number three, we hid as it were our faces from him. Why? He was despised, we esteemed him not. Surely, here it is, he hath born our griefs, our sorrows, our sickness, and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, afflicted. You know what the Bible just said? You know what the prophet Isaiah just said to Israel? They thought something was wrong with him. Because he wasn't some priestly king, he wasn't some something beautiful on the outside. He had sorrow. He had grief. They esteemed him not. They thought something was wrong just as churches have done with Christians today. But watch verse number 5. But he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised, literally crushed for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. With his stripes we are healed. Oh, we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before a shearer is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, who shall declare his generation, for he was cut off of the land of the living for the transgression of my people. Was he stricken? And watch verse number 9. He, was, he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Why? Because he had done no violence, neither was there any deceit or vile in his mouth. You know what the Bible just said? All this grief, all this sorrow, all this sickness, he didn't deserve it. There wasn't even a deceitful thing that ever crossed the mind of Christ. There was nothing that was said that he ever said wrong. He didn't deserve this grief. I've asked God. I've begged God. God, why, my Rachel? God of all these people in the world. Why, my Rachel? God, do I really deserve this? Can I say this? If God has allowed the grief, there needs to be no guilt because Jesus didn't deserve the grief. Jesus didn't deserve the sorrow. Jesus didn't deserve the sickness. But yet, God allowed the grief to be upon a perfect Savior. Notice the Bible. Here's the message, verse number 10. Yet, can I say number one, the pleasure, the pleasure of his grief. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. That's an amazing English word. It literally means this, to crush him. It wasn't just a necessity. It wasn't something that had to be done. You know the Bible said? God himself was pleased in crushing his son. Can I say this today? I don't know why you're in the valley. I don't know why you're grieving. I I don't know why you're suffering. Maybe God... He's not forgot about you. He still loves you. God doesn't hate you. I thought that this year. God, it seems like you love everybody else. God, I know you never disappointed anybody else, but it seems like you've disappointed me. But God himself crushed with pleasure his son. Can I say the pleasure of his grief? But number two, look at the place of his grief. Verse number 10, yet he hath... Put him. Watch the verse. He, God, hath put him, Jesus, where? In grief. God did it on purpose. God put him in his grief. Why would a God that is love, and he is, or we'd be in hell today. Why would a God that is full of mercy and full of grace, and he does, why would he put his only son, in a place of grief. Can I say number three, and I'm done. Adley, if you'll help us. Look at the purpose of this grief. He pleasured to bruise him. He put him to grief, but watch the Bible. "When Thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. God did it, and God pleasured in it, because of the purpose I can't I can't explain to you why you're grieving I have no idea I don't know why God let your loved one or your husband wife, child, mother, father, grandfather I don't know why he let him go on to heaven I don't know that I don't know why God let my Rachel go to heaven so early so fast but I do know this I'm broken I'm crushed (laughs) I've been angry I don't know why God let this happen I just believe there's a purpose Rachel and I would preach she was loud everywhere we went to Las Vegas the year before last she was so loud and she was just y'all, y'all would have to know her what I'm talking about but we'd come to church and <laughs> I'd start preaching she'd get real quiet but I could hear right in the middle of my preaching she'd say things like this God help him God touch him almost in a whisper God use him This year, I can't explain it, something's different. I'm not the same preacher I've been. I just got a feeling every time I get up and preach, Rachel's around the throne of God saying, God help him. why did your Rachel die? I don't know. God could heal her cancer. He did one time. <laughs> he could have done it again. But he chose to put me and to put Adelie in grief. But there's a purpose. I want you to stand, if you would. With every head bowed. And Every eye closed. I really, I really hesitate to do this because many times this is nothing more than a habit. <laughs> many times it's nothing more than some spiritual exercise, but I I believe God is moving this way as a testimony. How many can just raise their hand all over the place from the front to the back, both sides of the middle, and say, Brother Dale, I'm saved. I'm a child of God. I, I know I'm on my way to heaven. How many can just raise their hands just as a testimony today? Thank you so much. You, you can put them down. You know what you just testified to? God may allow grief in your life. There may be sorrow in your life. But if God does it, there's a purpose. I want to pray, and Adley's going to sing and can we close out the year around this altar? <laughs> Maybe physically you can't kneel down, but you can sit on these front chairs or stand along these walls. But why don't let, let us come and say, Lord, I, I don't understand the grief. I, I don't know the reason for this suffering. But God, remind me there's a purpose. God, you didn't do it because you hate me. You forgot about me. There's a purpose. Father, God, we need you today. God, next year we're going to need you more than ever. So Lord, I, I pray for my friends, my brothers, my sisters. Lord, that I suffer, that are suffering. Lord, can we just, God, if it be your will, can we just gather around this public altar today and be determined? That whatever comes next year in our life, we'll stay faithful may not understand it we'll stay faithful even in the grief and the suffering in Jesus name Adela, you sing can we come if you